0: Oh i Itefano, e um, wonderful to have you here with us this morning, thank you for coming out and uh, um, just really excited to to preach the word of the Lord and to, to minister to you guys today. Uh, if you were here last week, we started a generosity series and I was going to do today the second part of that, but I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just put it in my heart really strongly this week. To do a word of encouragement. Um, I don't know about you guys, but every conversation I'm having at the moment with people, um, whether they're for vaccines or against vaccines, it, the thing has become so pervasive, eh? And uh, I, this morning I just really felt like it would be really important to just speak a word of, of encouragement and love to you guys as a church. And I just want to say to you, um, obviously, if you've talked to Amy and I, we haven't hidden the fact that we're vaccinated or anything like that. Um, but I just want to say to you that we, we love every person here at this church, you know, whether you choose to get vaccinated or not. Okay, we're, we're invested in you guys and in your family, in your marriages, in your children. You guys all matter. Every single person who's part of Muckle matters. And I just, I think it's so cool that Meg sang that song, today about Make Us One from John 17, because, hey, if anyone's part of any normal family or whānau, you know that we don't all agree about everything, eh? That, that's that's normal family life, isn't it, that we're all not, uh, you know, all singing off the same song sheet, and we have differences, and difference of opinions, and different political persuasions, and all these sort of things, but if you're in a healthy whānau, you come together around what matters, eh? You come together around what matters. You know, when there's a crisis, when something's going on, you just come together as a family and love each other and and surround each other and support each other, no matter what your differences are. And I just want to say today, as the pastor here with Amy, that, you know, for Kurimako, the thing that we come together around is Jesus. He is the bottom line for everyone. You know, we, we, we might, if we had conversations, we'd probably find out we have we could have different theology about a lot of things, but the things that matter are about Jesus. Is Jesus Lord? Yes, he is. Amen. You know, did he come and die and rise again so that we could have life? Yes. Amen. This is the stuff that we can, can come together around as a church family and agree. And so I just wanted to say that because I'm just, I just want to just make it aware yeah in Kiwi culture sometimes you, you want to talk around things and don't want to really go to the heart of the matter but man it's just it's become this huge thing it's like I'm like I'm missing July anyone else missing July remember July like what that was like where we were in this bliss and I've thought about it because we're almost two years into this thing like in February it will be two years since this has been going on and it turned the world upside down but New Zealand had this interesting thing because of we were able to lock it down and we were able to stop it getting into the, our country, that we, we were basically in the eye of the storm for ages, weren't we? And it felt good, didn't it? We weren't wearing masks, we weren't, you know, I don't know, there wasn't even that many people scanning in and doing all that sort of stuff. It was like, it was like something happening over on the other side of the world or even Melbourne or something, but it wasn't happening here in New Zealand. And like, imagine, just in the space or a handful of months, how our world has, you know, it's like it's this thing's just ramped up, eh? Like that's how I feel. I feel like it's just ramped up, like it's just been you know, big things around vaccines, big things around vaccine mandates, big things around lockdowns and masks and what it's going to mean. And I think that that's given um, our society, but also the church, a lot of anxiety. It's put a lot of pressure on us, and it's consuming our thought life, isn't it, if we're honest, um, if you're having an awesome time at the moment, well, hallelujah, and, and praise you, like, that's great. <laughs> I, I'm actually jealous of my kids, because when I talk to them about this stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm more interested in Minecraft or YouTube or something. Like, like, they're just in this blissful ignorance about what's going on, and I think, oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's an awesome part of being a child, is that you can be in that state. But as an adult, you're, you're wrestling with all these questions, and as a parent, like, all these things for your children, what's this going to mean and what's ahead? And I think that has brought a lot of pressure on us and put a lot of stress on our minds. Um, I was thinking about this in light of... Uh, oh, is it going? Sorry. There we go. I was just thinking about that in sense of that, um, that uncertainty and ambiguity that, 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 that is around this thing. And I read this from this uh, lady, Maria Kornikova. She said... We want to eliminate the distress of the unknown. We want, in other words, to achieve cognitive closure. This term was coined by the social psychologist Ari Krugelansky, who eventually defined it as an individual's desire for a firm answer to a question and an aversion towards ambiguity, a drive for certainty in the face of a less than certain world. When faced with heightened ambiguity and a lack of clear-cut answers, we need to know and as quickly as possible. And when I examine my own self, this is what I'm struggling with. I want to know. I want to know the answers. I want to know what's going to happen in a month's time, two months, six months. When's the end of this thing? How do we get through all this thing? How do we navigate through the complexities of vaccines and traffic light systems and all the stuff that's coming across us? Like, How do we get through all this? I want certainty. I want answers. And if you watch the the media, you can see that people in our society are struggling with that, eh? They want answers from the government. They want to know what's going to happen, by what date. We need to know. Like, this is the pressure that is building in our society. And it's because we really struggle with ambiguity. We really struggle with uncertainty. I think humans are incredibly resilient people. And we can go through all sorts of things, but we love... We want to know what's the game plan, where's the pathway, how do we get out of this thing. And, and when we don't have that, man, it messes with our minds, eh? I was uh, reflecting on this uh, in the last sort of two years of this whole thing going on and also planning a church. And it made me think about this incident I had as a child. And uh, I, my, I went with my cousins. They, they had a, a beach house down in Hokio, um, just sort of the beach near Levin. And I went out with them to the beach, and, and we went out swimming. And uh, because this was the 1980s, I was just there as an eight-year-old with my cousins looking after me. And it was a, uh, a really stormy day at the sea. It was, like, really rough with all the waves and stuff. And I was out there swimming, and, and I, got, um, I got kind of overwhelmed by the waves. And I don't know if you've experienced this um, when you've been in the sea, or maybe in a river, when you get overwhelmed by the waves, overwhelmed by the current, and, and I started getting ragdolled, like I, I remember it in my mind, just kind of like I was, it was like I was in a washing machine, and this wave would hit me, the first one, and then I, I went under the water, and, and I was just like spinning around, and, and I remember that feeling of, of trying to come up to the surface, and trying to get just a little gulp of air, and then and, and you get a little bit of gulp of air, and you'd be trying to tread water, and then bang, this other wave would hit me, and another wave, And I was actually um, sort of separated a little bit from my cousins who weren't really looking after me. I was having a good time. (laughs) And here I am sort of effectively almost drowning, and I'm like freaking out. Like I had that fight or flight thing in full gear. Like I'm like, this is it. I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. And I I was swallowing seawater, and I was like, freaking out, and I, I think I was probably praying or something, and somehow I got out of this thing, I somehow got to the to the shore, and it was like one of those movies where you're, you know, like lying on the sand, just sort of all collapsed and sort of vomiting out sort of seawater, and so, sort of, oh my God, I've, I've survived, i survived, and because it was the 1980s, I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> I didn't go to Facebook, I just, I, just, I, just, I just went back to the house. I didn't even tell my mum and dad, actually. <laughs> I, I just, but I, I remember that feeling of feeling overwhelmed, and just like you get your head just above the wave, and then boom, another one would come. And um, yeah, when I've, looked, when I've reflected back on this time, I, I've felt like it's been like that, when I'm trying to get my head around everything that's going on, and then something else comes, and it's like, wow, this is, this is hard, Like this is overwhelming, Like this is tough. Um, you know, that, that they had that mental health campaign where they said it, it's okay to not be okay. And I, I think that's true for, for us. Like, it's, not, it's okay to be not okay. Like, this is not normal. It's not business as normal at the moment, and it's having an effect on us. And, and I, I found this tool um, when I was listening to a talk, and it was a psych, psychological tool um, which they call the window of tolerance. Now, part of this, it's basically saying when you're functioning well as a human – you're in the middle part. It's your optimal zone. You're feeling you're feeling good. You're, you feel like you can manage life. You're calm. You're not tired. You're alert, but you're not anxious. And uh, we can we can go out of that window of of tolerance. Of being in that good place, we can go into two places. The the, the one at the top is a zone of hyper arousal. Now this is where that I was talking about before that fight or flight thing kicks in. The adrenaline's pumping. You're feeling anxious. you you're not thinking straight. There's a lot of emotion. The engine's revving, you know, like you're, you're heightened and you're, you're worried and you're, you're tr- overthinking things and trying to get this thing going. And, and, and that's this sort of like this fight and flight system that I was talking about. And then you can have the other one, which is this zone of, of hypoarousal, which is like a low. Now in this one, it's like this, basically you just feel numb. It's, it's this place of apathy, it's just your body just wants to shut down and freeze. You know, this is quite a, kind of almost like one depression or or feelings of just like oh, oh, this is too hard. And you know, and, and <laughs> as as a Christian and as a pastor, I have to admit I I've been up and down that window a few times in the last two 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 years. What about you guys? Anyone else experience some of that? Have you had experiences where you're like, man, this is hard. This is complex. This is difficult. And and I'm trying to I'm trying to read through all these news articles, and work this thing out, like, like, I can work this thing out, I can, I can work out what's going to happen, but the more I read, the more I get anxious, the more I get worried about, oh, how's this going to work, and stuff, and then I've had moments where I'm like, oh, I'm, at, oh, oh, that's it, I'm, I'm just going to watch a, a movie or TV series, I'm just, this is too hard, like, this is too complex, like, I'm just, I'm just going to check out here, and, um, you know, like, I've been working really hard to try and hit that middle place, that window of tolerance. And this is a um, this is a psychological tool. It's not a Christian thing, but I believe like that place, that window of tolerance, is where we are with Jesus. So it's that place where we can we can cope with the stresses and the difficulties of life, because we're with Jesus. And so when when stuff comes across us, where the waves hit us, we have the ability to to come from a place of peace, come from a place of love, come from a place of grace that only Jesus gives us. And I, I just feel this morning that the words Jesus wants to share to us, that the pastoral words that Jesus wants to say over us as a congregation and every person here are the following. From Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, And once again, just for the the message version from the late, great uh, Eugene Peterson. Are you tired, worn out, burnout on religion or COVID or stress or whatever's going on in your life? Come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced Rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And it's interesting to note that the first thing Jesus says out of that great passage is, Come to me. You know, at the context of that passage is that at the time he's talking to the crowds. And the, these Israelites, these people, had, were in a society that was heavily religious. They, if you're familiar with the Bible, for the first five books of the Bible, it's called the Torah or the Pentateuch, and it's the, considered the law. And what had happened was over that time, together with all the prophets and other stuff, all these rabbis and teachers had debated what the law means. And so they had seen the, the, the law that God had given them and how to live their life and flourish, but they wanted to know all the little detail and the gray areas, like how do you do this and how do you do that? And what about this circumstance? And what about, so they're like lawyers, kind of like, what about this? Have you considered this situation? And what had happened over these hundreds and hundreds of years was that these rabbis and teachers had debated and talked with one another and they wrestled with what the law means and they developed this, this extensive kind of commentary on the law which was saying what this means and a whole lot of interpretations and in Jesus's day these had got really complex like these are things these are these were huge heavy things and they were things that even rabbis struggled to follow and the ordinary people felt the pressure was immense to try and reach the standard that these rabbis were teaching and because all these rabbis had different teaching, it was said that if you were to come under uh, a rabbi, a teacher's teaching, it says that you would come under their yoke. And obviously in this passage, Jesus is talking about uh, a yoke that you have with like an oxen between two animals to, to plow a field. But it, it, there's also this, this, this use of this thing of yoke, like you're coming under a teacher's yoke, their way of doing life, in other words. And so people were struggling with the complexity of their day because the way to do life was hard and that's what Jesus is speaking into that situation and into that situation he's saying these words come to me and I was reflecting on this as I was preparing this message this week and I just realized that we can go to so many different things can't we there's so many distractions, there's so many things going on in our world that we can get caught up in. But Jesus is saying, come to me. I'm here, come to me. And I, I was thinking about that in the context of John 15, where Jesus starts by saying, I am the true vine. And when Jesus is saying that, he's saying by inference that there are other vines that we can get ourselves tangled up in, right? Right? Like there's stuff in our world, and our life, it might be politics, it might be pornography, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be stress, it might be all sorts of things that could you could get tangled up in and it's sucking the life out of you because it's not the true vine. It's not the place of true intimacy and connection with Jesus. And Jesus is saying... Come to me. You can go to so many things, but his invitation, as it was to those people who are weary and burdened, as it is to us here in the 21st century, is come to me. It's the invitation that he has for us as a church this morning. Will you come? He's he's inviting you. He's not going to force himself upon you, but he's here and he's like, Will you come? Would you receive my love? Would you be with me today? And as I said before about the yoke, Jesus is saying, Take my way of doing life upon you. The reality is, is that we're gonna have to take on all sorts of things in this life, but God Jesus is saying, Take on my way of doing life. It's the best way to do life. It's the it's the way of doing life that gives you true love, true peace, true joy, true happiness. And he's saying, take this upon yourself. Don't take that heavy, tiring stuff upon you. Take this upon you. Live in this place. There you will find life. Because as he says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And with this whole situation that we're in at the moment, and just, I guess, with anything in life, I'm struggling with the lack of control. Uh, I want to control the outcomes. I want to know what's going to happen. And, and I struggle to give that to God. I struggle to give it to God that, that He's on the throne, that He's in, in charge, that He's Lord, and that you know, He knows what's going to happen. And just to trust Him in this season. And I, I, I love this quote by Dallas Willard. He said, what we must learn in his yoke beyond acting with him, and this is the best part, is to abandon outcomes to God. Accepting that we do not have in ourselves in our own heart, soul, mind, and strength the wherewithal to make this come out right, whatever this is. He was writing this in the early 2000s, but I, I feel like it's a prophetic word for right now. Eh? To abandon outcomes to God it's 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 in his hands the future is in his hands our situation is in his hands we have to trust him as we walk through this season and he promises us if we're in that place with him that he's going to give us rest he says it twice in this past, these these verses. He says, "I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls." And uh, my my normal idea of rest, if you go to the place in my brain where I think about my happy place, is uh, is this place, Rarotonga. I was uh, lucky enough to go here about three. It was about three years ago, I think now. Yeah? And uh, sometimes, when you know things have been intense or going hard, I've actually had this, like, just in my head. I've just imagined myself on a scooter there, like, like no problems. Like I'm just on my scooter. It's a beautiful day. (laughs) No politics. No issues. No nothing going on. No stress. You know, sort of. But but when I reflect, when I when I think about it, you know, I know if I stayed there. and and just rest assured I haven't been looking for pastor's jobs in Rarotonga or anything you know like (laughs) I'm very happy in what I'm doing I love this but but I know like if I was to live in this tropical paradise with no problems that I'd still have problems because I'm me (laughs) there was this uh, great book written by this guy Mark Sayers and he said the trouble uh, the the title of the book is the trouble with Paris and the, the point of the book is is that we often have this thing that we wanna. We think if my life was like this, or we had this going on, I'd be I'd be happy. And in the book, it's about a woman. She wants to go to Paris because she's got this in her heart to do. Oh, I want to go to Paris. It's a beautiful, amazing city. But it it it, it doesn't you know it doesn't fulfill and satisfy her because you're still yourself when you go to those places. Uh, it doesn't make those places. Not nice, like Rarotonga is a lovely place, and I'd be happy if someone here wanted to shout me, you know. Like, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, like, it's, it, I'm still going to be me there. I, I'm going to still gonna be Nick. And if I haven't got true peace or true rest in my soul, I'm still going to have struggles and worries and anxieties. And so, you know, Jesus talks about this true rest, this true peace that we can have. He says in John 14, 27. It says, peace, this is talking to the disciples says, after the resurrection. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, the peace that Jesus gives us is that peace where we can be in that window, that, 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 a place of abiding in John 15 with him, where we can deal with any circumstance. And I was... Um, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how, yeah, how did Jesus deal with all the stress and all the stuff that he had to go on in his life? And we see this pattern in the Gospels um, a number of times, but here in Mark 1:35, very early in the morning, uh, there's a plug there for morning devotionals, while it was still dark, so very early, probably five o'clock, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So if you were to be with Jesus, if you were one of his disciples during that day, you would have seen that he had this rhythm to his ministry where he would, he would preach, he would heal people, he would um, have meals with people, he would pour himself out, and then he would just withdraw. He would just go into these quiet, solitary places and be with the Father and pray, pour his heart out that he would fill up his tank with God the Father. That intimacy, that relationship that he had with God the Father, he needed that communion, he needed that relationship. Now, if he's the son of God, and he needed to pray, and needed to be in relationship with the Father, how much more do we need to be with, with God and spending time filling up our tanks I was re- um, reading about this guy, George Mueller, and I'll just sort of coming to a close here. He was this incredible man of faith and prayer who ran these orphanages in England in the sort of in the 19th century. And he never asked directly for money, but he, in today's terms, he basically raised millions and millions of dollars for these orphanages and for this ministry. And the key to his success was that he was just an incredible prayer. He just spent hours and hours of prayer and time with the Lord. But one thing that's really interesting, and it's in this quote here, that he said, The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. And so he would would take Scripture... And he would read it and meditate and dwell on it uh, until that point where he felt that joy, he felt that happiness in his soul before he would sort of get on with the rest of his day, which he had heaps of work to do. And uh, I I, I know I've heard about Heidi Baker, who does all that incredible work in, um, oh, I've forgotten the country now, Mozambique, yes, thank you. And um, people, she, I think she's, she's known for speaking in tongues for you know, two hours every morning or something like that. And someone, I think, said to her, oh, how can you do that with all the work you've got to do? Because she's got a full plate of like, ministry and everything that she's doing. And she says, I can't do what I do unless I'm spending that time praying for two hours for the Lord. There, there's something about building, uh, as like Bernard de Claveau said, building a reservoir inside of us so that we can go out into our day. You know, like today, I, I really feel like there's an opportunity, and I'm going to do that in a minute at the end of our my, my message, to pray for you guys and to encourage you, because I feel like Jesus just really wants to just pray and encourage you this morning, because this, this is a hard and difficult season, and, and you need to have that, that love and that peace uh, flow into you. But Monday's coming. <laughs> So you can walk out of this place today, eh, and feel great and just be encouraged and prayed for and just like, oh, Jesus is Lord. But the alarm's going to go off tomorrow morning, isn't it? And you're going to be at the office or the work site and you're going to be sitting in that boring meeting or you're going to be dealing with things and people are going to be talking about all this complexity and stuff that's going on. And you're going to, you'll be like, where's that joy? Where's that happiness? Where's it gone? It's gone. It's gone. Where is it? So my encouragement to you today is: I'd love to ask and the team to team leads to pray for you and encourage you. But I encourage you, you know, just as Jesus did, withdraw, spend that time getting your soul and your 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 heart happy with the Lord, and then you will go into your day with that reservoir of God's presence and His love to go into every situation and to carry, as Milton. Friedman, this rabbi and um, counselor, the non-anxious presence that, that this is what we carry when we're filled with the love of the Lord and the peace of God. We carry into those stressful situations and conversations and complexity the, the non-anxious presence of Jesus. What a wonderful gift that we have for our families who might be fighting over these things. What a wonderful gift that we have for our work colleagues who are struggling with these things. What a wonderful gift we have for pāmi to be the non-anxious presence. That kōrimako would be the non-anxious presence of Jesus because we devote ourselves to being in his presence and getting our souls happy with him. I'll just finish with this. Galatians 5, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, in some translations, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this line, against such things there is no law. That's what we carry. When we are in that place of, with Jesus, we carry that into everything that we go into as his people. Why don't we stand?